Hello and welcome to a new series of Livewire in which we're looking at change and the subject of this series is Epic, uh, which I've taken from a book by Leonard Sweet. Um, Leonard Sweet talked about this and kind of inspired me to think through some of the changes that are happening in our world. One of the things we know for a fact is that change is here to stay. It's a little bit of a cliche. And change is happening not simply all around us, but actually change is happening within you even right now. Let me just share some kind of weird facts about your own body with you. Did you know that your body carries around huge amounts of dead cells all the time, around about five kilos? Your skeleton is replaced every three months. Your stomach lining changes every five days. Your cheek cells three times a day. In fact, your whole body changes if you're a man every five years, and if you're a woman every seven years. So our bodies are constantly changing. The body you have now is not the body you had over seven years ago. Now, you probably look a little bit different anyway, but it's amazing how much change is happening within you. And also change is happening within the world. For instance, did you know that your car, if it's less than 10 years old, contains more computer power than it took to get the Apollo 11 to the moon. A digital watch contains more computing power than existed in the entire world before 1961. 25% of the words and phrases you use only came into the English language in the last 20 years. And in the United States, the top 10 in-demand jobs for 2010 did not even exist in 2004. So a few years ago, I was, um, in fact, in 1999, I was walking into a bookstall and I was waiting for a, a book that I'd ordered to be passed on to me. And I noticed a book out of the corner of my eye and it was called Speed at the um, sorry, Business at the Speed of Thought. It was by Bill Gates. And in the foreword, the early part of the book, it said something really interesting. I just read it while I was waiting for another book. He simply said this. He said there are key words to successful businesses uh, in the 80s, the 90s, and what he was referring to as the noughties. This was written in 1999. He said the key to business in the 80s was quality. Those businesses that had a quality product would do well. In the 90s, he said, it was innovation. Those businesses that were able to innovate uh, and change would do really well. And he prophesied, if you like, that in 2000s, the key word would be velocity. Uh, velocity. The, the businesses that would change rapidly to the needs of the customer. And I remember looking at this and thinking to myself, it's so sad the businesses will respond so quickly to the holy customer, and yet the church will respond so slowly sometimes to the Holy Spirit. And that we as the people of God need to be at the cutting edge of what is happening in the world. And that's what this, this series is about, is understanding our times and understanding what is changing and being at the forefront, not trying to catch up the world from behind. So just before we look at our workshop, let me just think of that in terms of uh, people from the Bible. Um, when I first came to the United States and I got involved in youth ministry, I had a thought 
And my thought as I looked around at all these well-resourced youth ministries was that this is old thinking done really well. We were executing old ideas really well, but no matter how well we executed them, they were old ideas. And we needed to understand what, what was happening, how society was changing, and how God had already taught us how to be at the forefront of that. I remember reading this passage. Uh, this passage is from the Old Testament. Where in 1 Chronicles 12, it says, There were men from Issachar, men who understand the times and knew what Israel should do. Do we understand the times and do we really know what to do? Are we at the forefront of things that are changing in the world? You know, leaders bring change. Uh, Moses took people out of um, Egypt into the promised land. That was a big change to, to get people to make. Joshua took people into the promised land after reports of giants. Solomon got the people of God to build a temple before any temple had been built for God before. Nehemiah got the rebuilding of a temple surrounded by enemies. Peter got the church to reach out to the Gentiles when previously they'd only mainly reached out to the Gentiles. There were Gentiles who had been saved, but he explained this new movement was for both groups. So change is happening around us, change is happening within us, but most importantly, we need to be at the forefront of what is happening in the world to help advance the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, let's, let's be thinking about changes and, and what we see happening and changing in our society. Let's take a look at our first workshop. Please take a look at the values of the 1950s compared to those of the 1990s as inspired by Dr. R. Caldwell. Then please write in what you might consider to be the current corresponding values or properties in the third column. So as you look on your worksheet, what you'll see is you'll see values of the 1950s and their corresponding values in the 1990s uh, as laid out by the doctor. Uh, I've added some new ones in there and some ones that I've noticed as well. And then I've got you started. I've started to look at the first three and think about what would the corresponding value be today. So Caldwell says, you know, the 50s were about saving, the 90s were about spending, and uh, today, this decade, is more about credit, uh, buying things on credit. Uh, I've put some others down there you can take a look at. So I'd like you to fill them in, discuss what you think the corresponding value is, how much do you think about the way the world is changing, can you see some of the movements in people's thinking and feeling as we move forward. Take your time to do that and in 10 minutes we'll come back and we'll look at how the world is deconstructing the past. So I mentioned in the first session that this idea of old thinking done really well. And I want to unpack that and explain that a little bit more and look at this idea of deconstruction. How we need to deconstruct some of what has happened in the past so that we can move forward. You know, if you've got something in your hand and your hand is in a jar, you may not be able to pull out your hand from the jar unless you release what's in your hand. So sometimes we have to let things go before we can grab new things. So on your screen, you're going to see the five ages of man. As you look at this diagram, what you'll see are five stages of history as seen by scholars. First of all, we have prehistory, before man could write his history, an uncivilized kind of caveman idea. 
And then we have ancient history. This is when the great historic civilizations existed, the Sumerian, Egyptian, Babylonian, Assyrian, Greek and Roman empires. Then you have medieval history. Uh, during this time, you have the collapse of the Roman Empire to feudalism, the church dominated by Western Europe. And then you have the modern world. Then after that, you have what we call the postmodern world. And this is what many people are writing about. They're actually writing about what this postmodern world will look like. I'm going to talk about the word postmodern a little bit later. But first, let's look at this modern age that we're coming out of and how it's influenced and how it's affected our mission. Now, many of you will be on pays and we know what our mission, our mission is to make missionaries, but there'll be other people watching this live wire and your mission, your vision might be to lead a church or a business or something else. I want to, as we look through this, think how have these values affected what you do, your mission. So let's look at the values of the modern age. First of all, you have conquest and control. One of the values of the modern age is that we like to conquer and we like to control things. And in our modern mindset, everything can be conquered and then everything should be controlled. A second value is machines and mechanization. This is when the world came to be seen as a big machine with people as its cogs. Um, I'm from Manchester originally, and Manchester is the central, the beginning, the founding city that founded the Industrial Age. And if you go to Manchester, you'll see big factories, big warehouses, and around them you have these little uh, houses in rows. And what you have is you've got the machine in the middle and the cogs, the people, in the same kind of houses all around them. They were there to serve the machine. So the third value is analysis. If the world is a machine, then science is the screwdriver that can explain it. So analysis becomes the highest level of thinking. Everything else, poetry, the arts, come under analysis because we analyze in order to control and in order to conquer. Number four, secular science brings all truth. So in the modern age, science was seen as the thing that would bring truth, bring people into line. We would go to uncivilized parts of the world. We would teach them rational thoughts. They would then agree with us and science would lead again to controlling and conquering and understanding everything. Leading on from that, we have objective and critical thinking. The idea being that Everything is explainable. Everything is understandable. If something goes wrong, then we can figure out why. It's probably someone's fault. You notice that on news when maybe there's a tragedy, our modern minds mean that we have to search for some kind of answer, which usually ends up looking for someone who made a mistake. And quite often, sometimes it's nobody's fault, but we look for someone who eventually becomes the scapegoat because in a modern age, we can't cope with the idea that things sometimes just happen. They have to be explainable. They have to be understandable. Individualization. So what you had was in the industrial age, big, big, huge organizations, global businesses came in and built things around their organizations. So things and materialism became the focus. 
which meant that people moved to get better things. And it led to a breakdown in community, a breakdown in family values, which has led to individualism. So, so much marketing is aimed at the individual and community is broken down. And this has led to the final um, value of modernism, which is consumerism. Consumerism is king. We're individuals, we want things for ourselves, we wanna buy things for the people that we love. We're not used to community, we'll be used to, sorry, we're used to being treated as individuals and seen as individuals. Even by God, we have our personal relationship with Jesus and that's emphasized almost to the detriment of understanding that God sees us as communities as well. So let's look at our workshop. Please look at the 10 values of modernity and discuss these three questions. How and where have these values helped us advance our mission? How and where have these values hindered us as we advance our mission? And is that value being questioned in any way in society today? So as you look at these values and you think about your mission, whether it's the, a mission of pays if you're on a pays team or your church or your business, where do you see the benefit of these values? And are they now starting to hinder you in any way? And thirdly, as you look in society, can you see these values being, being tested or questioned in any way? So you may want to spend a little bit more time on this, maybe 10 to 15 minutes on this, and then we're going to come back and we're going to look at the values of the post-modern age as far as we can see it and where that might lead us to. Okay, so in the first part of this episode, we looked at structure and the structures that, that um, a, a change around us, the structures of our body, the structures of our society. Then we looked at deconstruction, understanding um, modernism, understanding the way we think and the, maybe the way that affects our mission. Uh, I think about how consumerism affects prayer and the Bible and uh, going to church. Uh, I think about how individualism has affected the way we see God, the way we see the Bible as an answer book. Some of these things are helpful, some of these things have hindered us. So we've deconstructed, let's look at a reconstruction and we're going to start by reading something that Paul said, which I think is a real challenge and powerful. So let's read from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 20. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, till the weak I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I find that a very, very challenging passage of scripture. Here's Paul, this man of God who's saying, I'm going to change my agenda. I'm going to restrict my personal rights in order to reach the lost. He's understanding that he needs to change in order to work in the different structures under law, not under law, Jew, Gentile, weak, and strong. And I think that's an incredible challenge. 
So for us, as we begin to look at the other episodes and begin to look at the four values of postmodernity, let's first ask the question, what is postmodernity? In fact, let's ask what it isn't. First of all, it is not anti-modernism or non-modern. To understand the word postmodern, you could almost understand it in terms of post-puberty, as one writer puts it. You know, we go through puberty, but then we grow up and mature. It's not that we do away with puberty, we still need to go through that stage to get to adulthood. And we need many of the things, many of the values in modernity are really, really helpful, but there are some areas where we need to grow up and grow beyond them. Number two, we're not talking about the church catching up to the world. Actually, this is more about the world catching up to the kingdom of God. In fact, the reason I, I really started to get into this whole idea of epic and postmodernity was because um, when I was reading the stories of Jesus and beginning to study and understand how he taught and the rabbinic styles of teaching and discipleship, I realized they fitted really, really well into this postmodern world. And I realized actually what's happening is the church is rediscovering things that the Bible has always talked about. Our Western world is beginning to connect with more of an Eastern thinking as our worlds collide. So what we're going to do today is not look, or what we're going to do, I should say, of these next episodes is not look at how does the world, uh, so how does the church catch up to the world, but understand actually the world is going back to, uh, in many ways, some of the values of Jesus' time and how if we do things the way Jesus did them, we're going to be ahead of the curve. Number three, we don't know what it looks like yet. This is really important. We don't know what post-modernity looks like. You know, we talk about the Middle Ages, don't we? The medieval age, we refer to it as the Middle Ages. Well, if you were living in those times, you didn't say to yourself, hey, we're in the Middle Ages, did you? You didn't realize what was gonna happen, what it was gonna look like, or what was gonna come next. And we don't really know what post-modernity looks like. In fact, most books on post-modernity aren't really on post-modernity. They're really on how we need to get or how we need to develop from modernity. But, as I've already mentioned, Leonard Sweet brings four values of postmodernity I think are really helpful. So I've used the same words pretty much, but I've changed or adapted some of the meanings slightly to make them a little bit more simple, a bit straightforward for us to get our minds around and to bring some kind of direction for us as well. So let me go through those four values with my kind of spin or take on it. First of all, the values are experiential, participatory, imaginal and connected. In the next few episodes, we're gonna be looking at how we apply them to our mission. But let me go through a simple statement for each one of them. In the modern world, instructions were given to be executed. In this emerging world, invitations must be offered to be experienced. In the modern world, opportunities were presented to be performed. In this emerging world, people must be encouraged to participate. In the modern world, images were used to present answers. In this emerging world, we need images to provoke questions. In the modern world, consumption drove individualism. In this emerging world, connectivity recreates consumerism. So as you look on the screens, you'll see the book that's kind of inspired me to go through this teaching. And it's a book called Postmodern Pilgrims by Leonard Sweet. 
So a couple of stories as I go forward will be from that book and, and a, lot, a large part is uh, some of my own thinking on this as I've been working with kind of millennials and, and seeing the difference really over the last 30 years in ministry. Um, but one of the, one of the concepts um, from one of the books I've been reading talks about this, this uh, transition in ages. So um, in their book, they have two two domes. I'm going to put them on the screen right now. One um, signifies the modern age and one signifies the postmodern age. And as you can see, there's a gap, or I should say there's an overlap. And it's in this overlap where many of us live right now. So we're in this transition period. So with that in mind, before we begin to look at how we practically apply some of these values over the next couple of episodes, let's look at our final workshop. Looking at the Dome's illustration, Please comment on where you think aspects of your thinking are most rooted or where you feel you're most influenced in certain areas of your life. Okay, so very simply, think through um, different areas of your life or thinking and ask the question, what structure has most influenced this? Uh, Maybe it's a way you think about something, maybe it's something you do. If you feel it's more influenced by the modern values, then put it under the modern dome. If you think it's more influenced by these epic values, put those individual things under the uh, postmodern dome. If you're not sure you think it's a bit of both, then put them in the middle. Try and think of seven or eight ways that you're influenced by the structures around you and put them under those domes, just to help you have a little bit of self-awareness as we move forward. You know, it would be a mistake to think that we're not influenced. All of us are influenced. Uh, The key to wisdom is not being uh, non-influenced, it's to understand our influences and put the best influences in our lives. So being self-aware is really helpful. Hopefully this has been a good live wire, hopefully it's got your juices going and over the next uh, two or three live wires we're going to be looking at how to put these different um, principles, these different practices into place in order to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing in the world. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you next time.